You again. I'm starting to think you like it here. Well, the gang's in there now reminiscing about their old classmates. One may even be stopping by today. Oh, and another thing. Might you put in a good word for me? I'd love to make it to the couch someday. Yeah, I'd, I'd say any of those characters would be uh, so fun to, to catch up with. We recently had a 10-year uh, reunion on Zoom. That's right, we did. And connected with a with a few, but um, any of them would be would be would be something. So much water I under the bridge. I think we right? have uh, actually Stacy's going to be joining us. Fantastic. She. Uh, oh, oh my oh, gosh! Wow. <laughs> and there she is. Good evening. I was just getting Hello. ready to say a whole bunch of nice things about you, but now I'm too shy. Hi, Stacy. Great to see you. Welcome. Happy day. How old are your kids, Stacy? Um, so Zachary is eight now, and William's three and a half. Wow. I know. So much time has gone by. How are they dealing with all these? adults wearing masks and not running up to hug them? I think that they're fine. For the youngest one, at first, it was hard to wear a mask, but then we went to a farmer's market and he picked his own, and so he's fine wearing it. He doesn't wear a mask at daycare. Um, It's an in-home daycare, so it's pretty small, so they don't wear masks there. Um, But Zachary seems fine, although I will say he's been like the most quarantined of all of us um, up until he went to day camp this summer. So he didn't really notice it at first because he wasn't really out and about. Yeah. I know two people uh, who have been infected. Anybody else? I probably have a half dozen people at least. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A bunch from New Jersey, a bunch of my classmates from New Jersey, and then uh, several people uh, here. My aunt works at a uh, rehabilitation kind of center. I think she told me at one time there was a third of her patient had it and a couple who had died. Mm. And she was, when we talked, she was pretty traumatized about how heavily they had been hit. Stacy, I was just talking about the, the job I worked at before I entered CityU. And uh, a woman that I worked with, my niece actually, has just tested positive. She has a son who's, let's say, 18, and he brought in a friend to work there. And a lot of 18-year-olds are pretty uh, laissez-faire about the, the virus. And so the friend tested positive, and so my niece has now tested positive. And I haven't heard, but there might be other people there at that business that have been infected. Um, I don't think her symptoms are very uh, significant yet. Uh, and then I have a, another friend who's a probation officer. Uh, she got bad symptoms, wasn't hospitalized, but uh, it was a hellacious time for her. And her young, her 16-year-old son also was infected, but uh, his symptoms weren't so bad. So those are the only two that I know personally. In addition to the uh, the people who are actually coming down with it, there's a huge cost to people's in terms of their emotions. There's a lot of fear out there. There's just a lot of uh, social isolation. There's also a lot of lonely kids and lonely adults. So there is a huge cost, and that's without the whole economic cost of people being out of work. And then we've also been experiencing, uh, you know, social unrest and uh you know as well so there's it 
it's it's actually a very unique time in in history. I know. I was talking to Dave, my husband, about what like can you imagine if we were in our previous relationships? Both he and I were not in good relationships just a couple years ago. We just are so grateful that to, to be able to be with one another and just to be at this point in our life. And I know that that's not everybody's story. And I know that they're like the amount of domestic violence have been on the rise. Esther Perel did a show about a couple that was uh, breaking up and getting divorced, but they were stuck quarantining together with a with their kids. Uh, despite um, they were in the process of going through a divorce, and it was a it was a challenging up episode uh, to listen to. I, I didn't hear the follow up on it, but it was definitely just a challenging time for them to be in the same household um, while going through a divorce. Well, maybe we can rewind to happier times. Remember, yes, remember October yeah. of '07, <laughs> right at the beginning of the Great Recession. We've told our stories, Stacy, about how we ended up. As luck would have it at CityU, <laughs> I'd be very interested to hear your path there. I got my undergraduate in psychology. Um, I graduated at the University of Washington. I graduated in 05 um, and I had been working in restaurants while I was going to school. And so I just kept working in restaurants after school ended. That was fine for the time being. I was starting to think about like maybe I wanted to go back to school but wasn't really sure how that would work. You know, I was still in my early 20s at the time, so still having fun. And then I met somebody at the restaurant who eventually ended up being my husband, but he certainly wasn't my husband at that time. Uh, We started dating and that was fine. And then all of a sudden that turned into an issue at the restaurant um, for no real apparent reason besides he was um, the chef at the time and I was a bartender, but so they were viewing him as a sort of direct manager. This was, let's see, December of 2006. And so the whole restaurant, the restaurant management group decided at the time that I needed to be transferred to a different restaurant. You guys know me, that doesn't go very well when someone else tells me what to do. And so December of o- December of 06, I decided I would quit restaurants. Um, And so I didn't have a job lined up because I wasn't planning on leaving. So I went to a different restaurant that was terrible at the time. So I started looking at options of going back to school. And um, obviously going back to school while working in restaurants wasn't going to work. I had sort of looked at CityU, which was a weekend program. So then I needed to change my trajectory of jobs. And so I needed to find a Monday through Friday job so that I could go to school. Um, And so I did both of those at sort of the same time. Um, I think I started that job in March or April, and then we started um, CityU in October. Did did that for three years, and then didn't end up using the degree I went to school for. So I'm different from from you guys. The fluke job that I interviewed at that I was going to do Monday through Friday, nine to five, and I had I had told them in the interview that I was going back to school, and so um, my timeline was going to be three years, and they were okay with that timeline. And then, like everybody else in insurance that I know, you just kind of get stuck in it. When we graduated, I think a lot of things had changed, too. Like, we had my, well, my boyfriend then, then my husband, we had, we had bought a house while I was at, while we were going to school, and um, we actually graduated and then I finished my hours over this. I think I finished my counseling hours for my internship like 
a week before we got married. Um, I remember freaking out about that because I was going on a three-week honeymoon. I didn't want to come back to do like four hours of counseling. And so I kept with insurance um, because after school, I couldn't quite find a job in counseling. So that's where I'm at now. I'm still in insurance. Do you regret going to school at all or was it a good choice? I don't think I regret it. I I mean, I think I regret not using it in the capacity that it was intended for, which was, you know, therapy. Um, but I think when we got to our internship, I, I had already kind of realized, like, I don't think that I could have been a therapist full time. Like, I mm. couldn't quite figure out, like, it didn't feel like it was going to fit. And looking back on it, I think I kind of feel like wrong timing kind of. Um, like, I think I was, I think I was too young at the time, looking back on it. I think if I had, you know, done something else for a while, and maybe in like my 30s or 40s, um, gone back to it, I think that that would have been good timing. Um, and I don't know, I just, and I tried, I think, like, after we graduated, I applied to so many jobs, I didn't get one interview. Um, and so, and at that point, the places that I was I mean, the places that you can get at a with a with a therapist, you know, masters that you still need more hours at. Um, I didn't feel confident enough that I could go out on my own, and I didn't feel at the age of twenty five that I could just like, you know, hang a sign out front on something and people would come to me for for advice and therapy because I got that in my internship of people you know, of clients saying that it wasn't a good fit because I seemed too young or, you know, or I didn't have life experience. And so I didn't have the confidence to go out on my own at that time anyways. And like I said, things had shifted. Like I, I owned a house, so I needed to make a certain amount of money. I ended up in a, in a job that I, you know, got promoted at really quickly. And so was earning a certain income that I had gotten used to. And, you know, I literally got married um, a few months after we graduated. And so that changed things. And we wanted to have kids. And so I think it just, it wasn't a good fit at the time. And I'm okay with where I'm at now. And I still feel like at times I, I do use it. Like I, I can read a situation pretty well. I can read people pretty well. So either before, after, you know, a potential client meeting or a client meeting, I can sort of debrief my coworkers about like, here's how I think we should have done that a different way. Or you could tell from body language that this was going on. So I do think I do use it just in different, in a different way. I can really relate to the, the being young piece and the, the timing of that. And I, I struggled with that as well. You know, I, I took a break for a little bit and it was several years. It took me, I don't know, I think the maximum amount of time to get the full licensure, which I think is five years. And even at that time, and I just had a supervisor that really believed in me, which was helpful because I just, I, I encountered a lot of those roadblocks too. And especially the financial piece, like I was having to still work at the casino because I had a, a mortgage payment too, to be young and to, like you said, have a certain kind of income level that you need to make. And, and when starting out as a, a therapist, you a lot of times you're not getting paid much at all. Hey, $17 an hour is a lot of money. <laughs> For who? <laughs> if I had known, uh, I went, I jumped in blind. Well, you missed this, Stacy, but 
I just had to go be a therapist. It didn't matter. Nothing else mattered. And I had the support mm-hmm. of my, my family. They didn't ask a lot of questions, and I definitely didn't. I've said this before. I thought it was a two-year oh my program, gosh. not a three-year That's program. Funny. Yeah. I don't yes. think I knew that. I don't think I, I knew that. Yeah. I. It was like ju- you know jumping off the cliff, not not checking out how deep mm-hmm. the water was down there. I, I, I had yeah. to do it. I think that's yeah. a cool feeling, so, though. I like. I wish. I wish I had had that much passion towards it, and not to say that I didn't have passion towards it. I think I did, you know. But at the time, at the age of twenty-two, I was trying to figure out like how can I extend. Like I know I want to go back to school for psychology in some way. I don't want to go get a PhD. So what are the other avenues? It was an avenue, and at the time when I signed up. Yeah, for sure. I was going to go be a therapist and then going through it, realizing like people think I'm really young and think that I haven't experienced life enough to do this. And my life changed during that program for that three years. Three years is a long time. I mean, right now it feels like a blip, but especially at from 22 to 25, a lot changed. And, um, you know, I... My husband and I bought our house like a month before the market crashed, um, as you brought up, you know, in 2007. And so also by the time we graduated, I was still underwater in our house. So to take a I wish I could have taken a job to get me because I think right now we would be fine with, you know, private practice or any of those things and seeing other friends or um, people in the neighborhood that have just finished their degrees and going out. They just go out into private practice, kind of, you know, Reed, you did that too. And I'm envious of that. I wish I could have done that because I think it's a faster, it's a quicker hill to climb to get to that like threshold on the finance part. I just, I couldn't swing it and I could not find a job. I, I applied to so many places and so that got discouraging. And so I just kept at with where, not where I exactly was, but in the career that I was, so and when we talked the other day, where you're currently at, you talked about being in a job uh, prior to that that you were, and I was interested in hearing more about that as far as kind of the stuckness that you got into in that mm-hmm. job. Is that the same job or was that a different one than what you're talking about? I feel like I got stuck in a couple jobs, but... Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I, so since we went to school, I've been to one, two, three, four. This is now my fifth company like insurance brokerages. It's the huge mergers and acquisitions. Um, So I've actually, the companies I've been with, I've been sold through that twice. Um, The one I was at during the time that we were um, going to school was was awful. That was, that's like the worst office environment I've ever been in. And actually most people outside of things also agree with that. Um, but yeah, even the last one I was at, we had sort of two of my coworkers and I ended up with this uh, privately owned company that insurance was sort of a small arm of theirs. They actually sold cars in Hawaii and made a ton of money doing that and then had this small insurance arm. And it was great. They sort of left us alone and believed in in the process of what we were doing and what we were growing because they essentially brought us on to start an aviation practice within the company. And then they wanted to grow and realized that the the investment money that you have to 
put in to buy or to buy other smaller agencies was appealing on the other way around. And so they ended up selling us three years into it. You don't get input on those situations. And we had tried to get out of the sale and that didn't work. I feel like every time I leave a company, it's like in grand fashion, but um, that didn't work. And so we, we were with them for about nine months um, and actually left. We left last August, 2019. Congratulations for buying a company, Stacy. Yeah, that's great. Wow, that's very grown up. I never would have said you were young. I thought you were 40 when I met you because of, cause of your, your maturity, your wisdom, your intelligence, your humor, etc. I had no idea that you were that, that, that young. And that's still working out? Being 22. Being married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Being married, um, you know, it has its pluses and minuses. What are the what are the what are the pluses? Um, what are the pluses? It's a good question. <laughs> okay, let's go to what are the minuses? <laughs> no, the pluses. I like that. I like that I have a partner, and for the most part, life is pretty easy. We've tried to do things more 50-50. So I'm not the one necessarily cleaning the house. He would say I never clean the house. But we sort of just, you know, we we do our things that make things function. And I appreciate that. I can't imagine trying to navigate this right now as either divorced with co-parenting. I don't know how you would do it. You know, and nothing's been, it hasn't been explosive here. I think the He's back to work full time now, so he's out of the house again. But for a while, he was here, which he's not used to because he does not have an office job necessarily. So sitting around the house for about three months didn't really work for him very well. Hmm. Uh, but it was also nice because things have things changed, right? Like we could go out at night and take a walk as a family that before we couldn't do. That sort of ties into the stuckness of being at a job that you're not really in control of when you have to clock in by seven seven thirty, that means you have to get to the bus stop by six thirty, which means you have to wake up at five thirty and you have to get the kids to where they need to go. And then you have to leave work by four o'clock downtown so that you can get back on the bus to pick up the kids before you get a late charge for daycare. And then by the time you get home and you make dinner and you figure out homework, it's time for bed and everybody's tired and probably pretty cranky. And so all of that has changed, which I appreciate. So now, you know, I feel like that, ch I mean, that changed with my job changing because since I own a company now and we're, we all work from home because we're representing, there's six of us, but we're in four different states. Um, and so everybody works from home and I've been working from home. I had already worked from home since August of 2019. So that wasn't different for me when uh, COVID hit back in March. You know, still there's less, there's less stuff being required of people right now. And I think um, Jacqueline and I talked the other day about intentionality. I think that this is a good time for families and individuals and people to sort of create that intentionality in their life again. You know, looking at it, realizing like, I can't see any of my friends, but also like, when was I creating time for that space anyways? I don't feel like I was doing a very good job of that. Whereas now, even though I can't see them in person, I'm doing a much better job of reaching out to people and trying to get Zoom calls or other sort of like connection points. Whereas 
before like life was too busy and it was too hard to get together and it took too long to figure out everybody's schedule, you know? So I think moving forward, trying to create those moments in your life where you are being intentional of what you want to do and how you want to live and what you want to change to make sure that you can still fit those things in your life. If we ever go back to what it was, I don't think that we will necessarily. And I don't think that we should. I don't think we can. I think we talked about that too, just as far as a lot of the the changes that are going on that it's, this time is allowing people to be creative and like you said, intentional mm-hmm. in ways that are work better, work more efficient, work uh, better for families. So yeah, for all that we've lost, there's, there's also a lot that we've gained. It's a big pause if you think about it. Somebody hit the pause button. We get to examine a lot of things that we were doing. And I think, for example, working from home, I think we've proven, a lot of people have proven that it is much more doable than people thought and that productivity can still happen and people don't have to be in the office necessarily and people don't have to travel as much. So, and business is still getting done uh, in certain cases. Aren't you glad not to be not to own an office building right now. Well, I do. I do own some via real estate investment trusts. So uh, let's just say those stocks are down. <laughs> I love the side benefits, Stacy, that you d- described in your business career with uh, understanding people and psychology and motivations and body language and uh, baggage. And yeah, I mean, that. I paid for it, so I should use it. that's no I think I think it's a good skill and I think once you've acquired it you know it just I don't I don't mean to do it it just sort of happens yeah I know I will be in a conversation with a friend and they're like are you using your and I go I I don't know how to differentiate between (laughs) me as a person and a skill that I have versus me as a counselor like no I'm not going to counsel you because you're my friend but I will use a counseling skill (laughs) you know it's a I hate to hate to derail your direction here uh James Hollis 21 ways to consider consider what matters most Would, would that be okay that sounds great yeah, let's have some fun. Um, okay, Stacy, I forget if you had good parents, bad parents, absent parents, dead parents, or what. But here's a question that James Hollis, it, it's not a question, it's a statement. So here it is. Step out from under the parental shade. Consider where you are still carrying or compensating for the unlived life of your mother the unlived life of your father. How's that for a for a fun question? Would you consider those things and tell us, hopefully with tears, uh, <laughs> how you're fucking up? How I how I'm messing up from my from my childhood and what my parents. How you are carrying that energy, that dynamic, that um, symptomology that your parents unwittingly deposited onto you. Hmm. Is this an example? I'm going to see if this is an example. So my mom, she never really got to go anywhere to travel like like Mexico. She really likes Spanish. And so what did I do? I've been to Spain. I've been to Mexico. I've been all these places that she never went to. Is that an example of the unlived things that of her? I suppose that's the positive side of it. 
So then what's, what would be a negative of like what you're continually? Oh, I'll give you an example. So, cause I, 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 I have one very Paul's handy. Got lots um, of negatives. So, um, one of my, uh, uh, unlived life of my parents, you know, um, in, in one of the earlier podcasts I was talking about playing hockey, my, since my dad played hockey, um, he wanted me to play hockey and I therefore did. But one of the things that, uh, he always wanted to be, he was a goaltender. He always wanted to play another position besides goaltender. So I could play any position, but goaltending. You know, and so he never wanted me to do that as an example. Another area, unlived life of my parents, it's sometimes often where you have a negative side where you have the same hang ups your parents have. So, uh, you know, one of them is, you know, I have some frugality from my parents as well. My dad was always, you know, money conscious a little bit and got that from my parents. So I still have some of that in me as well as some uh, just examples of that. Uh, the best examples, though, I'd like to give around this is. You know, very often you have the Little League son, uh, you know, where the the father lives vicariously through the son, or you have the uh, beauty pageant mm-hmm. daughter, who the mom always wanted to be in a beauty pageant, or basically live their life vicariously through their kids, and that's the greatest burden, is what uh, Jung used to say, is the greatest burden a child has is the unlived life of the parent. So since you are our guest, Stacy, you get to uh, tell us about... Any baggage that you, and and maybe you've maybe you've unloaded it. Maybe I'm you, sure there's still know. baggage. I mean, I had an adequate childhood, nothing out of the norm. And I think in my 20s, I I did a lot to make sure that the relationship I have with my parents now is an adult relationship. I think it was reciprocated as well. Like I have and have had for years a very adult relationship with my parents where. They don't parent me anymore because that's not the relationship. And I think also in my 20s, like obviously as any sort of teenage, not any, but for a lot of teenage daughters go through, of not a great relationship with their mom growing up, especially in the teenage years. And I had to realize where my mom was at and be okay with the person that she was, not expect more from her as far as what I wanted or needed at that time as a mom and just meet her where she's at. That took a lot and a lot of like sadness and anger to get to that point. But I can't expect something out of someone that that's just not who they are. What's what did you want her to be? Um, what was what was the anger about as far as yeah. who did you want her to be, I guess? Or what did you what kind of mom did you I really want? I saw myself a lot talking to like friends, moms or moms of the kids I was babysitting a lot in my teenage years. My mom just wasn't very present in that way, I guess. She was an at-home mom, but also in some ways a bit selfish. So made sure that she was still able to go play soccer a couple nights a week and go to the gym in the mornings and do the things that she wanted to do. And so wasn't always very present or very... She just didn't seem like someone I could sort of bounce ideas off of or get opinions from or you know, learn the things that you need to learn as, you know, a person growing up in in high school. And so I always had to go to other sources for that. And so I think probably in my late, late teens and early 20s, I was angry about that, about it wasn't the relationship that I wanted as a like, with a mom daughter relationship. And she has that with my sister, she they are best friends. And my sister calls her all the time. And we just didn't have that relationship. And I just had to kind of let that go and meet her where she's at emotionally. And I think that kind of helped the relationship a lot by doing that is 
yeah, just not putting as much expectation on what it should, what it should be or what it could be. And I think as a result, like I was able to build that grown up adult relationship with her. Um, whereas my siblings are younger than me and I still kind of see them revert to teenagers when they come home and visit. Whereas I, that's not me. That's a hard transition, I think, for a lot of people to make from the the needs or the, the unmet needs uh, from their childhood and then becoming an adult and then still not uh, still trying to get those needs met. And usually they're getting those needs met, not just trying to get them met from their parent, but it's out there in other relationships, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I could see how how difficult that transition is to get to the point where, Hey, you know what? Yeah. She, yeah, she wasn't there. Yeah. She didn't meet the needs that I had at the same time. I'm, I'm adult now and I've got to make amends or make some, get, get some sort of an acceptance around that. Um, Mm -hmm. talk to my therapist, be angry, do all the things, but at the same time, resolve that within myself. Well, that explains the 40 year old, 22 year old that I met back in 07, Stacy. You had done a lot of processing um, and reconciled this is what it is and this is what I want. And you were really self-contained and self-aware. I remember going to um, Whole Foods with you for lunch once in a while and uh, way more stable than I was at age 51. (laughs) You seemed quite stable to me. I still remember you telling I don't even remember what the like conversation was during that day, but I remember you just looking at me so not perplexed, but curiously. And you were like, so you're here like for the academics, not to like heal yourself. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think, I think so. Yep. And I was coming at it from, cause I mean, especially that first year, there was so much crying happening at, in class every time and mm. like I was looking at you curiously of like aren't we all here for the academics interesting I thought I was there uh for a career and, but right away we, we were doing these um self-exploratory papers and these dyads and triads and um I must have uh, I must have glommed on to to that to that healing part and overshared as usual. <laughs> Maybe it was a 22 year old thing. Like we're here for the academics. What's everyone else here for? I'm an education junkie. I know that makes me like 67 now. You look great for 67. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Truthfully, I didn't even know uh, we're, you're talking about you didn't know it was a three-year program. I did know it was a three-year program, but I didn't know that you were supposed to, at the end of your career, become a therapist or at the end of, end of that you actually had a, a whole internship and that I actually had to do uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, helping people. And, you know, and during the internship, you don't get a choice of, I was hoping for the worried well and, uh, you know, whatever I didn't want, I got you know, assigned, it seemed like. And so uh, it was quite, it was, it was quite comical. I really didn't want to do domestic violence and a bunch of, you know, schizophrenia and a bunch of other uh, things. But that's essentially what happened in my internship. Whatever I didn't really want to deal with, just walked through the door and uh, taught me some incredible things. And 
you know, I, I still remember when I was still doing both jobs working at, um, at City U uh, Counseling Center and I had a schizophrenic patient and I had a couple suicidal uh, clients as well. And then I had an executive just go completely ballistic to me at working down at Warner Brothers. And he was yelling and screaming at me, getting in my face. And he, he goes, you don't seem to be taking me very seriously. I'm yelling at you. And I looked at him and I just said, well, Bill Gates has yelled at me and I've also dealt with all sorts of things. And so, you know, you seem upset, yes, but it's it's not really having that impact on me. And, you know, I've, you know, I've dealt with a lot worse. And so, and immediately, you know, he sort of calmed down and, and uh, you know, realized that him yelling at me wasn't going to impact me and it wasn't going to get him what he wanted to get. So, you know, I think that that was a lot of emotional growth that happened throughout the whole program. And I would say going into the program, you know, I didn't completely, you know, I was, I was more self-aware, uh, for a variety of reasons, but I didn't realize how much more self-awareness I had to develop throughout the program until I actually spent a lot of time, you know, writing papers, uh, practicing, uh, doing dialogue with other classmates, uh, getting into some really deep issues. And, you know, once you go through the process of, of writing those long papers, like, you know, I, the example that sticks out in my mind is like write a paper on it. Uh, everyone that you had a, a, a love or sexual relationship with. A lot of that I hadn't thought about in a long, long time. And uh, so you have to really go back and then, why did that relationship end? Why did that relationship end? And, uh, you know, what was my part in it too? And, and looking back at it, you know, I uh, definitely reached out and made uh, some connections back just because I didn't think the relationship ended as well as I could have in hindsight because I was young or um, you know at the time and so I just quickly moved on to the next relationship that was my uh, way of getting over the the last relationship sounds like uh, when people do an inventory in Alcoholics Anonymous basically take an inventory of all of these different relationships and then you go and make amends it sounds like you did that process just naturally Paul yeah and I would say would say I did I did do that process but not because of AA or anything like that it was no not because of AA because well program. The, the, the thing the program brought up to the fact is like that the fact that I was thinking about it and I was thinking about what is the half-life of that that happened 20 years ago and mm -hmm. I'm still thinking about that now and so like for me it's like I better clean. I, I better clean that up. And it was, you know, uh, just tell briefly about it. Was somebody who um, who broke up with me, and I was deeply hurt at the time. And so that person still wanted to be my friend, but at the time I wasn't. It's was like you just broke up with me. Uh, okay, we're done. And I, you know, moved on to the next person and started dating someone. And I'm like, I really don't want to just be friends. And you know, I probably just completely terminated all communication once I got broken up with. And so then I had a. You know, later I thought about that stuff. It was pretty immature for me to completely cut off all connection with that person, but it was because of my own hurt at the time. And now that I'm a bigger, stronger, older, wiser uh, person, I have better skills, and I actually can apologize for cutting things off. And I, I, I you know, I now realize that uh, you know maybe there was some in between, or you know, or some time where I didn't have to completely just end the relationship completely. Um, so it was it was good to sort of you know, get there and just, you know, say that. Yeah, come back full circle. And like you say, heal those spots that are still coming up. Like, why is this coming up 20 years later? Exactly, exactly. And I, I thought I had buried it and moved on, but apparently not. The bone's sticking out. Yeah, archaeological digs. Yeah, and I would say it's amazing when you don't have all the distractions in life. 
um, that you distract your, yourself with. It does focus, make you focus on what's really important. Um, you know, what, what is really a, a necessity and a need versus a want or a nice to have. It's been uh, difficult for me. Uh, no, you know, I'm suffering music withdrawal and some other withdrawals from seeing, you know, uh, some friends, but I've also uh, reconnected with some other great uh, friends more often that I had not had the time for. So it's been a, you know, not having concerts and other distractions to go to have has proven to allow me to get more time with my friends and via Zoom or phone calls. So there's been some positive aspects. This time has really made me realize how um, how not connected I was to people in my life. So I'm trying to trying to change that. Well, I admire you so much, Stacy. Uh, I I watched my wife uh, have a career and little kids all at the same time, and uh, it I'm uh, I'm in awe. So, thank you. <laughs> we need good mothers, as you know. Yes. And that's where good adult good adults come from. So I don't know your kids well, but I I, I do have fond memories of Jason. So give him my best, would you? I will. Yes. Nice to hear from all of you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure it's, to yeah. reconnect. Let's keep it up. Hey again. I'll see you out. Did you enjoy yourself? I sure do hope so. On behalf of Reed, Jacqueline, and Paul, I want to thank you for your time. I've heard there's going to be some pretty awesome folks stopping by. For more information, check out Living Room Therapy on Facebook or Instagram. And we hope to see you soon. The world like I